Hey, we're excited. This is our um, Sunday at the movies. This, is, this will be our last one of these this year, and we're doing Toy Story um, 4. I'm curious, who's seen it? Just curious who's seen Toy Story 4? Okay, so. Who is not? Okay, wow, and the knots win. Okay, so I'll give a little bit more background. But hey, this is a, it's, it's, it's a really, really good movie, but I, I would just say this about, like, maybe you're here and you're newer and you're wondering, like, why, why movies? Why would you, like, why take a weekend and use a movie in this way? And there's a couple reasons why we do it. One is that we, we think it's fun, okay? And then this is one of our convictions about Jesus, is that we think that Jesus was fun. The guy just called me crazy, but I have a feeling that, that if you were in a room with Jesus when he was walking the earth, you would have been like, hey, I like him. And so, and it's probably because he would be, he, he, he's fun. And so we want to reflect that part of who we believe Jesus is. And another reason why we do this is because there's something about movie clips that help the illustration to land just a little bit better. And so our hope would be that in a few years when you're watching this on Disney Plus, that you would, you would see these clips you'd, and you'd remember the things that we talked about on Sunday morning. So that's kind of the heart behind it. If you haven't seen the movie, it's not that big of a deal. We'll set up all the clips. And, and I'll just set up the first one this way. Okay, so this is actually at the, towards the end of the movie. And it's a really fun scene where you've got Woody, who is in this antique store, and he needs to be reunited with his friends who are in an RV leaving town. And, and this is what I want you to, to, to see in the clip as we get ready to watch it, is that these are two separate groups of people who are incredibly focused on doing the task that is in front of them, and because of their focus, they're able to accomplish something pretty cool. You'll see that in this clip. I was like, I gotta show the guy jumping the thing. Like that just you have to. Like that, how do you not? Like and, and so here's the thing, in order for them to accomplish that, it required a level of mental discipline. There were things that were happening along the way that could have caused them to do a different thing, or they could have even said, this the movie's almost over, the task is too hard, let's just, let's just stay where we are and not mess with this. And, and Peter says something kind of similar as you think about our situation that we are currently living in. Let me show this to you. This is 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 6, or verse 7, sorry, it says this. It says that the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. That Peter's drawing attention to this, this idea that, that the end is here. That, and now, you know, you, the thing with Peter is he gives a little bit of these Easter eggs throughout the, throughout the letter, and you're like, wait a second, like the end of all things is near. Like, didn't he, didn't he write that like 2,000 years ago? Like, does Peter not know what like end means? And here's what he, he's saying there. Is he's saying, okay, the end of all things is at hand. That everything that needed to be accomplished for your salvation has been accomplished. That, that, that the work that was needed to be done so that you might know Christ 
has been accomplished, that it is at hand. That what Peter wants us to see is that in the same way that this movie is going to end in like 20 minutes after this clip, that the same thing would be true for us, that at any moment, because, because of what has been accomplished by Jesus, that the credits of this life could roll. That the hard part's been done, we're at a place where what, what we are to do is that we are to wait for that moment. But Peter doesn't want us to get the wrong idea. Because there could be this tendency to say, well, the work's been done. Jesus has accomplished it. So we'll just, we'll just do nothing until, until it's over. And what Peter says is, no, because of the time where you are living, while you wait, you are to work. And you see that wrapped up in these two words here where it says, it says that we are to be self-controlled and sober-minded. He's talking about a type of mental discipline that is required for those of us if we want to be effective in living our lives for Christ. The, 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 the idea is, Okay, just because things are going to end and we don't know when they are, that doesn't mean that we are to do nothing and not to be prepared, but instead because of this, we have all the more reason to mentally check in. That we have all the more reason to engage. Because if you, if you don't know when it's going to end, end, if you don't have that benefit of a doubt, like, there could be a tendency to freak out. And what Peter is saying, is saying, hey, don't freak out. This could end at any moment, but you've got to keep it together. And if you notice the why, the why is very interesting. He says, this is for the sake of your prayers. Now, hear me, I'm all for, like, I'm all for the discipline of setting aside time to pray. I'm even like, I'm legalistic. I'd say set a timer, make sure you hit the timer. But that's not what Peter's talking about here. That Peter's talking about this idea with your prayer life that, is that, that as you see something happen, you respond by praying. And that you're constantly engaging your mind to pray. So it could be something, something really spiritual where you're just kind of like, you're walking through your day and there's just that feeling in the pit of your stomach and you're like, I don't know what this is about. You should pray. It could be something where, where you're driving on the road and you see an ambulance go across and you know they're heading to the hospital. Man, you should pray. But it could be something where there's something in your mind that you keep on worrying about the same type of things over and over again. What Peter's saying is saying you should pray. That you're scrolling your Facebook and you realize that someone's going through a hard time, you should stop in that moment and pray. That he's talking about this watchfulness in your life that says, okay, I see something, I'm going to talk to God about it. And, and some, we say prayer and we get really scared because we think that it needs to be like spiritual and long and, and we need to feel something every time. That it could really be as simple as just a couple sentences. God help them. God, I don't know what that's about. Would you take care of that? God, I really love this thing, and I know you gave it to me. Thank you for it. 
And, and it doesn't have to go any further than that. That's what he's talking about. That Paul even takes it a little bit further. And he says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It's five words that should convict every single one of us. Rejoice always. That, that word always means always. And then, and then pray, pray without ceasing. That the end of all things is near. It's at hand. That we are to be sober-minded so that we can more effectively pray. And, and, I, and I, I just wish, I, I think we would pray more if we could just have like 20 minutes where God could just like roll back the scroll and we could see everything that's happening when we talk to him. But because we don't see it, because we don't feel it, we just say, well, it's probably not really doing anything. But if it's not really doing anything, then why would Peter be so obvious in commanding it? So you've got this mental discipline. You've got this heart that says, okay, you need to be focused. But what I love about it is it's, because it, when I think of people who are mentally focused, when I think of people who are really disciplined, when I think of people who, who have that, the, the extreme is what? Is it that they're very focused with no heart. That they're very focused on the task at hand, and, and you don't really worry about people, you just focus on your task and you get your things done. And what Peter wants us to see is that this lifestyle is not heartless, but it's actually most effective when it's full of heart. Look at this here, verse 8. Above all, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. That word keep there kind of bothers me because like it, there are times where you're like, you have to actually keep loving someone when you don't feel like it. Like, you're going to have this tendency to stop or to move on. And Peter says, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Verse 9, show hospitality to one another while complaining as you do it. No, that's not what it says. It says, without, without grumbling. Love one another earnestly since love covers over a multitude of sins. And, and, and as in our movie, you see this really powerfully. And you, you, could, you could probably pick any character that you want because Toy Story is really good at capturing that part of a human's heart. But the one that, that struck me is the character of Bo Peep. That if you look at, and so I'm going to show you two clips, and one of them is going to be at the very beginning of the movie, and one of them is going to be towards the middle. And at the beginning of the movie, you see Woody, the love of Bo's life, just kind of leave her out to dry. But then as we fast forward, we see the way that she responds to him. And the way she responds to him is a beautiful picture of love coming over a multitude of sins. Let's see it. So notice, like, notice... He, if you go back to the first clip, she kind of put her heart out there. Like she asked him, hey, why don't, you, why don't you go with me? Get in this box. Kids lose toys every day. And Woody's decided not to. Okay, and then, then fast forward several years, and, and notice that she doesn't bring that up when they reconnect. Notice that 
He doesn't even remember the names of her goats, and that doesn't bother her. Notice, as you think about even Bo Peep, notice that it doesn't really seem like she gets the whole life with a kid thing. Even though all those things are true, she still helps him. That even though she could, she could have come up with a million reasons to let him handle things on his own, a million reasons to say, I'm going to walk away from this cowboy. The whole movie, she's standing by his side, even though if I had to guess, I would guess that he hurt her pretty badly. And, and that's, that is love. That is love covering over an offense. That, that, is, that is someone looking not for a reason to be mad, <clears throat> not for a reason to be frustrated, not for a reason to get what they think they are owed, but that is a person who is instead looking for a reason to show compassion and to show kindness. I like the way the writer of Proverbs says it. He says it this way in Proverbs chapter 11. He says that the hatred stirs up strife, but love, love covers over an offense. You know, and I bet we've all experienced this in social settings one way or the other, right? That there are some places that are just easier to be than others, right? Like, I say that with, like, Thanksgiving right on the horizon, and you're like, yep, I know exactly what, I'm ta- what he's talking about there. And, and you, there, there are places where it's like, but you go there, and you're always kind of on edge because you're afraid that you're going to say or do the wrong thing, and it's going to set someone off, and then there's going to be this challenge. Why? Like, why is it like that? It's because there's no love there. Because what love does is love covers over an offense. But then I bet there are places, too, where you can go, right? And when you're there, you can just, like, relax and breathe. And I'm not saying, like, you don't have to be, like, morally upright, but there, you don't have to worry about everything that you say being taken the wrong way. You don't have to worry about misstepping somewhere in the, event, in, in the event that maybe something is going to blow up because everyone is just looking for someone to pounce on. And even as I talk about like family and with Thanksgiving right on the horizon, and maybe you're thinking of how you don't want to walk into that situation because it's just difficult. I would guess that the reason why it's so difficult is probably because something happened to someone in that room several years before, and they just haven't been able to move on. And because they haven't been able to move on from that offense, they use every single thing that happens that might just slightly annoy them to try to make someone pay for that thing that happened all those years ago. And that's just not love. I even like I'm seeing people like looking at each other and laughing, like you know exactly what I'm talking about. And, and so here, but here's what's on us though, is that we get to decide what type of situations we want to create when we're around. 
Like, do you want to be that person where people have to walk on eggshells around you because they're always afraid that something's going to set you off? That if, if that is you, you struggle with love. And, and I heard it said this way from, I think it was, I think it was Craig Groeschel, but um, it, we have this option when we walk into a room, to, we get two choices. That we can choose to bring hell up or we can choose to bring heaven down. That, that hell is a place where there is no forgiveness, where there is no grace, where, where, where there is no hope where there's all kinds of punishment and making people pay for things. And if you, if you don't love and you bring that into your situations, what you are doing is you are creating a, a situation where you are bringing hell into a place. But if you choose to love, if you choose to cover over an offense, then what you do is you are bringing heaven down because the only way that we get in there is because that's what God does to us. Because if you're, if you're in heaven, it's because God is overlooking some things that you did to him in your life. And even if you're here and you love Jesus and you say, I follow Jesus, I've given him my life, I serve him, the, the reason why you do that the reason why you're able to do that is because when he looks at the things that you do wrong, because you asked him to forgive you and you put your faith in him, he has said, I'll forgive you. That you know him because he overlooked your offense. It's grace. That's why we do this thing every Sunday. But we get to choose. Like, we get to choose what type of place we want to create. But do you, want, do you want to be that person that brings heaven down? Or do you want to be that person that brings hell up? That, that is our option. And, and so what Peter does is he does give us some wisdom as to how this works. Okay, and so how do you, how do you love? How can you love people? Well, it, loving overlooks offenses... But love also, it also takes what we have and it uses it for other people. Look at this here, verse, verse 10. He says, as each has received the gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very varied grace. Whoever speaks, whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Christ Jesus. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. How do you love people? As each has received a gift, what do you use with your gifts? You use it to serve one another. How do you love people? You look at, you look at your life and you say, what what have I been given? What does God want me to do with it? What do I have? What does he want me to do? And then you do that thing. That is the picture here in the text. And you see this happen here with Woody. This happens with Woody on two fronts. One of them, something is taken from him, but it's taken from him so that he can give something to someone else. There's this fork toy in the movie. His name's Forky. And and Woody's mission is to bring this fork back to Bonnie. And the only way he gets the fork back 
is if he gives his voice box to this girl toy named Gabby Gabby. And on two fronts, you have Woody using what he has been given to serve others and meet their needs. We'll see it in this clip here that we're about to look at. Okay, so I just want to, one line there that <clears throat> really jumps out, and we're going to show the final clip. She said, Woody, all of my dreams are going to come true because of you. The whole movie, Gabby has been going after this one thing. And her, really her hope has been, if I can get this voice, then all of my dreams are going to come true. That if I can get this thing, then I will finally be happy, that everything will go my way. My hope is resting in this voice. And here she is at this place in the movie where she's got it. She's got everything that she's ever wanted, and here's what we're going to see in this next clip, and it is a downer, that it doesn't turn out the way that she would have hoped. Check it out. The whole movie. The whole movie. If only I could have this voice box. I'll be happy. The whole, if I have this voice box, someone's going to love me. That, that if I have this thing, I get to be like everyone else. And I get to experience all the joy of being a great toy. Here she is. The thing that she has been wanting. She has it. But it doesn't deliver like she thought it would. Yes. No one here is looking at their life saying, you know what, if I just had that voice box, but I bet there's something else. I bet there is something else, even if you're a follower of Jesus, that when you think about where your hope rests, and you say things, you think things like, if only this, like if I had this thing, I'll be good. But gosh, if we just had a little bit more money, be all right. Gosh, if, 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 I, if I get this promotion, things are going to turn around for me. The, the once I have kids, it's, it's going to be great. It's going to be magical. And we put our hope in all of these things. And here's the problem with putting your hope in these types of things is they're not, they're not made for your hope. They are gifts from God that should be enjoyed, but they are not the source of your hope. And if your hope race rests on anything that is not Jesus Christ, your story ends like Gabby Gabby's. This is exactly, and this is so true. This is what the author of Ecclesiastes says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. And this is a verse that I know to be true because it's true of every, every person I've ever met. It's that God has put eternity in your heart. That in your heart is e an eternal whole. And you can throw as much things in there, but if it's not him, 
then it's not going to make the dent that needs to be made because you were made to put your hope in more. And, and even maybe you're here and you, you've been saying those things, like, if only I had this, if only this was the case. I'm so glad that you're here because nothing, nothing is more crushing than getting everything that you ever wanted and realizing that it wasn't enough. That the gospel, that Jesus, his promise is to be enough. He sees the eternal gap in your heart and he, and he knows. He knows that he is the only way to fill it. So as we, as we finish tonight, I just want to finish with this question. Wait, where is it? Where's your hope? Why do you think things are going to get better? What is that thing that your mind thinks about when it has nothing else to think about? It probably reveals where your hope is. And if it's not in Jesus, then you're just going to keep chasing more. Only to end up in a basket wondering why. Thank you for watching our services. If you have questions or you would like more information, you can visit us online at nlspringfield.com. We'd also love to have you join us at one of our Sunday morning services. We have programs at 9.30 and 11 for adults, students, and kids. We hope to see you there.